How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back. And wasn't I just saying last week that it'd been a while since we'd done a pod, just Nick and I? Well, unfortunately, he's been called up to Scotland on business at short notice, so that's uh, a bit annoying. Who's going to say, oh, it's tough now? Uh, well, the blow is softened somewhat by the comforting Hibernian toads of Mr. FPL Stag gracing our podcast yet again, who has kindly set up off the bench uh, to no doubt replace Nicholas with a plum. Hey again, Stag, good to have you again. Hi, I'm FPL Tag. You may remember me from such FPL productions as Who Got the Assist podcast number 61, 42, and 34. That time Tom and I did team previews on Twitter, or that time I was on Spanish television talking about Leo Messi five seconds. Just to say quickly, of course, that we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, and you can use Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or whatever you'd like to listen to. Now then, what will we be discussing this week, Tom? Uh, so this week, it's all about sun, sea and bargain spotting with a look ahead to the teams we feel are beginning to fall off the radar as we head into the business end of the season as they don their flip-flops and head to the beach after hitting safety, exiting our FPL sides in tandem. Additionally, our pod is a bit of an odd to this week with Stag and I both on free hit. Uh, so talk a little bit about why we're doing this seemingly against the grain. Uh, some ways to strategize for the free hit generally. So I know a lot of people are going to be free hitting next week and uh, chew over some of the choices we've made. Sounds absolutely great. So let's start with the game week reviews. So I have to be, oh, me so hungry with my final score of 69 in game week 30. It actually feels like anything but a success, um, which might sound a bit frustrating to some people at home. I had Ben Foster, Aaron Wambasaka, and Robbo and Diap, who combined for five points at the back. David Brooks and Pogba blanked in midfield. My captain, Mo Salah, just matched Sergio Aguero and got five points, which was obviously doubled. Look, fortunately, I owned Raheem Sterling, Raul Jimenez and Jamie Vardy, but I didn't captain any of them. So look, I jumped to 15k. I now have 1,802 points, but I do feel like I have a trend developing where I pick the just fine captain way too often and not the captain who actually would have scored well. That's within my own team. I'm making the right transfer decisions, but not the eventual armband decision properly. Look, I'm well set for the upcoming trials and tribulations with all my chips intact, but we'll see what happens. What about you, Tom? Uh, well, why are you little? I, f- I feel like I've done well, and then you were disappointed with a 69. I got a 66, and I was quite happy with that. So now, now I'm a bit upset. <laughs> but um, unlike you, I got the captain right. I got, um, well, I mean, you get the captain wrong, but I got the captain really right this week with uh, Sterling. My first hat trick of the season that I've had in my team of all the hat tricks that have happened Mo Salah, Sergio Aguero, Eden Hazard. This is my first hat trick for the whole season. So I only managed the 66 because, uh, yeah, no one else really showed up. Uh, Jimenez, I had uh, Salah, I had for that assist. But uh, at the back, I played Guaitar over Boric, which was uh, a bit annoying, kind of a final decision there to double up on Crystal Palace. Uh, the likes of Pogba, Higuain and Son uh, didn't really show up. And, yeah, it was generally a little bit, uh, uh, it, it was okay, like, getting that hat trick. And it was really, really nice. But having the rest of the team coming through is what I really needed. It didn't really happen. But good news, I've now got a six-figure ranking again 
yeah, it's, it's not been the best season, has it? <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, let's move on to the talking points this week, and I think the, the, it is interesting to talk about it because, um, like we've called the sun sea and bargain spotting, haven't we, Stab? Because it's the, the important point of the season when I think teams start to go to the beach. Like th- at this point in the season, now we start to look at the teams that are begin to be comfortable nearing the forty point mark and uh, starting to really tail off, and this is really important because we're able to look at what's going on and we're going to give a bit of data as well to predict who may well, what teams may well, what players may well turn to non-entities over the next kind of seven or eight game weeks. And it can probably help you guys not get too carried away by a team having good fixtures because at the end of the day, the the team is not there in motivation. It's not there in spirit. And it's not able to really give the performances that we want them to as FPL managers. And I think we've got a very good example, haven't we, to illustrate this point? Yeah, exactly. The most famous example in recent FPL memory has to be Pulis's West Brom. So that's in his final full season in 2017. They got to 40 points, which is the accepted standard of Premier League's safety for those of you who are new to the course um they got there in february and they were sitting in eighth in the league so they were doing historically well but then they completely down tooled they won just one more game for the rest of that actual season and that kind of followed a trend in that from 2010 onwards pubis teams in the premier league had never won more than one game after achieving the 40 point barrier so what you've got there is a great example of a succession of pubis teams who down tools uh, post 40 points not just one yeah that's it so in 2016-17 season which is one that really comes to mind for me after beating Arsenal 3-1 ensuring safety much to my chagrin as Nick would say at this point they then went on an astonishing run where they didn't win any of their final uh, nine games scoring just two goals in that period another good example is Leicester last season they had a run of games between game weeks 30 and 36 we all thought was amazing in Brighton Newcastle Burnley Southampton and Crystal Palace and West Ham the outcome was they beat Brighton in the first game junior North Southampton but lost all the others pretty soundly including being humbled 5-0 by Palace in game week 35. Game week 38 is probably a little bit of an outlier because that's always just a, a batch cray week uh, to use a technical term um, but the reason for looking at all of this is that motivation really falls off a cliff. Um, obviously that's very hard to gauge uh, we, we both know that and it's obviously very useful to watch the football and figure it out for yourself but this year with the top six pretty set Chelsea are 13 points ahead of Wolves at time of recording more teams than ever before may be in their flip-flops early especially bearing in mind the shorter summer break due to the World Cup meaning players are a little bit more tired than they probably would be um, there are some notable exceptions here of course so Burnley last season had an exceptional final 10 games in which they doubled their XG compared to their opening 10 games and almost doubled their shots and time in that period too when they were trying to get to the Europa League so a little bit of motivation using that example can be key so I, I guess that leads us to our first point our first kind of talking point which is who do we think is falling off I mean Stag who have you looked at in this regard? So one of the first teams I've looked at is Bournemouth which an awful lot of people will not be too happy to hear as Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson and even more players from Bournemouth come into vogue at the moment they're on 37 points right now but maybe a bit like Leicester last season they're facing into a particularly enticing final set of fixtures they've got matches against pretty much all of the bottom half of the table and Spurs in their final few games this season so it's a pretty good looking from an FPL prospect but perhaps we shouldn't be as excited so what I've done is I've actually looked at uh, Eddie Howe's Bournemouth teams over the last few seasons uh, last season they hit 37 points on March 31st that was game week 32 
And in the five games that followed that, they actually, man, or the six games that followed that, they drew, they lost three times, and then they won their final two games of the season to finally get over the 40 points barrier in game week 37. So you're talking about a team who kind of, at this point where they are pretty much exactly right now, down tools, they drew with Palace, lost to Liverpool, forgivable, lost to Chelsea, maybe forgivable, lost to Southampton, completely unforgivable given how they were playing at the end of last season, pretty much saving Marcuse's job at the time. And then they eventually won their final two games. So should we be getting concerned? Maybe when you consider that in 2016-17, they drew with Stoke, they won against Burnley, and they drew with Leicester in their final few games that season. And in 2015-16, reigns one of their better seasons, actually, in the Premier League. By game week 33, they had hit 40 points after they beat Aston Villa. And then they went on to lose to Liverpool, lose to Chelsea, lose to Everton, draw West Brom and lose to Manchester United in a fairly awful, torrid end to that season. But what you're looking at really with Bournemouth is a team who have actually shown quite a propensity to collapse towards the end of the season after hitting the 40 points barrier. And what we also have them is on the cusp of hitting 40 points. This isn't like last season where they were actually in a bit of a battle to stay up towards the end. This is a season where they're genuinely... Um, in contention of running seventh if they really push on. But could we be so sure about that? I don't know. I mean, would they have looked at um, what happened to Burnley this year, started the season much earlier than everybody else? And as a result, the start of the season was pretty poor for Burnley. I mean, yeah. you've, got, you've got the um, you've got the Newcastle game up next, and then you've got Leicester and you've got Burnley um, between 31 and 33. And you've got to be thinking, if they win one of those, um, perhaps we may see a bit of a downturn. I mean, final five are Brighton, Fulham, Southampton, Tottenham and Crystal Palace. If there are teams, if for example, Southampton are down towards the relegation spots, if, if there are teams there who do have something to play for may we see that kind of drop-off happen I know there's a few people for example eyeing up uh, Wilson and Fraser after they yet again resume their partnership and I personally I'm going to have them in free hit team in 31 probably going to have both of them in game week 33 in my wildcard team but equally if the motivation does go away if they if they have their kind of uh, goal set I mean, think about football manager at the start of the season you set my goal is to avoid relegation this year if you if you get that a little bit earlier and there's no reason to push on apart from money uh, you know every play, I think every team gets a certain amount more depending on how high they finish right in the Premier League but I, I yeah. can't see that being enough of a motivation for the players to kick on. I mean, motivation is such a hard thing to read, isn't it? I mean, you may have kind of the the argument that old Callum Wilson's uh, angling for a move to bigger clubs, so he's trying to get himself in the shop window towards the end of the season. It could happen, but yeah, I think they're definitely a valid team to be looking at and thinking, well, do I really want to go full pelt here? I mean, I, th- I still think Boric is a fantastic buy at 4.0. Um, I still think that one of, or even both of Wilson or Fraser in the interim is probably a good idea, but long-term is definitely one to to worry about for me. But the ones I'm really worried about uh, to, to segue onwards are, are West Ham. Um, I can, So they're at 39 points now. And I said last week on the podcast with Nick that their data was really poor. So they created half the chances. I think it's just under half the chance that Leicester had in the same period. So really dropped off. And I looked into their data, very similar to you, actually. Like I got like a little time period that I thought they were doing really, really well compared to the last six, just to see what the difference is. So I looked at game weeks 11 and 16, where they won four out of six games, including seeing off the lights of Burnley, Cardiff and Crystal Palace. So the kinds of teams you expect them to beat with the last six games that they've played. And the comparison shows what's happened. Their expected goals and assists has fallen. The amount they've expected to, they're expected to concede, their XGC has increased. Far less chance of being created. 44 in the last six, 60 back in 11 to 16. Big chances created is halved. 
big chance total was halved. Goal attempts uh, numbers have dropped by a third, and uh, its equivalence basically dropped from nine shots per match to six shots per match. And defensively, they conceded far more chances. 43 back when they were fit and firing in game weeks 11-16 to 72 in the last six. Maybe there's a Balbuena factor going on there. And the key man there, obviously, uh, who's carrying the cam for this for a lot of FPL managers, Felipe Anderson. Uh, what a sorry tell that guy is. I mean, we've got a few questions on him later on. But next year of 0.05 in the last six. An XA of 0.77 compares to 2.05 and 1.07 between game weeks 11 and 16. So I think that they would be my top top nominees after their probable win, let's face it, this weekend against Huddersfield to to really be on the beach as soon as they possibly can after this national break. Yeah, even when you put it that way, I would almost be fearful for the free hitters amongst us. And even those of you making transfers who were looking at getting West Ham defenders in, I was actually looking at a double up up to that point. But when you put it in such black and white terms, there doesn't seem to be any good reason to be um, trusting West Ham all too much. Um, especially if you're actually, for those of you who aren't free-hitting, who are going to end up with potentially two West Ham defenders in your team going forward. It actually sounds like more of a hindrance than a help, uh, potentially. Um, yeah, the, like there is, they are definitely in that zone of nothing to play for. They really do seem to fit all the symptoms of an on-the-beach team better than almost anyone. They're almost there already, that's a fact, after having such a good pre-Christmas time. So, yeah, not too good. Moving swiftly on to Watford down near London as well. They, this is a team that I... I'm not as concerned about on the evidence that we have so far. They have hit 40 points already when they beat Leicester in game week 29, they got there. The loss to City that they had in the game week just passed, game week 30, was certainly not a capitulation and was perhaps fortunate in hindsight when you consider the how the deadlock was broken there with a pretty offside goal from Ryan Sterling. Uh, not bitter at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, look, fact of the matter is, is that they do have tough fixtures, but those are interspersed with two brilliant ones against Fulham, Huddersfield and West Ham. But it is questionable whether or not this Watford team are even going to have their full focus on the Premier League because they have a pretty good chance of progressing to an ethical semi-final and even final at this rate. And why would they want to focus on, let's say, picking up that extra two, three million per position that you were alluding to there, Tom? Um, when there's a growing trend of fans yearning for the big day. And the fact of the matter is that these Watford guys have proven themselves as Premier League players at this stage. They might as well go and chase silverware at this point. Like, what is truly the difference between 8th and 11th to a fan? And do they really want the poison chalice of that 7th place finish and Europa League qualifiers to go through in July and August, which just tend to ruin teams? Um, they are still, at the end of the day, a squad, a team, a club, whose number one goal at the start of next season will still be safety. It won't be to push on. They have no they have no chance of really pushing on to a top six position anytime soon. The one does have serious concerns about them, especially when they're the types of people that we'd be looking at, um, Dini, Jared Arafeu, etc., who haven't proven themselves to be trustworthy consistently in FPL, although they do have their days. Not sure if there's anything really to be excited about there. What do you think, Tom? No, I mean, the FA Cup will put the spring in Watford, I think. Uh, and I think you're probably right. Like I've uh, mentioned a few times that it's, it's looking like they may have the best game week 35 of the lot. So it's looking like they could have uh, Huddersfield and Fulham for game, double game week 35. And I think the, uh, that kind of brings home the point of doing this particular analysis on this pod, because like that could well be a big banana skin for a lot of people. People could be loading up on Watford in their game week 34 wildcard only to find, you know, the likes of Delafay, the likes of Dini are held back for the FA Cup. Um, you know, you might you may have the likes of, I don't know, uh, Isaac Success starting up top, any one of their defenders. They've got so many. Who knows who could play? They could probably stick someone on that I've never heard of. And I'd be like, yeah, that's Watford defender. 
I think those sorts of teams are quite dangerous, especially like, you know, I alluded to it a second ago in terms of the defence, but because they've got such strength and depth, they can basically muddle through the final few games of the season and really push their, put their resources into that FA Cup run. I'm not saying that Delefeu and Dini and so on and so forth are never going to play again. That's clearly not true. They still are going to have to have to play to keep form up, keep match fitness, etc, etc. But in a double game week scenario where we'll be looking at these players as being our filler, I think that there's definitely a cause to keep an eye on what what happens there. Again, ties back to the motivation point, doesn't it? That often you you can't be sure completely. But if we see a little bit of a downturn in what they do and what they create, I, I think that we can probably attribute that to uh, to, to the flip flops going on in the league, at least with the aim of the cup uh, being what they're focusing on. I guess in terms of downturns to the league, uh, Everton uh, connected to Watford, obviously, through Marco Silva, uh, are another team that we should probably be talking about. Obviously, there's, there's not really much interest in them anymore. I remember the times when we had Luca Dean, we had Richarlison. We, we even had people you know, captaining Richarlison over the course of the season. And Richarlison obviously scored this last game week. And I think it's just been so long since he's been an FPL entity that there weren't the predictable cause of, oh, what a troll, because he, he just, you know, he'd gone out of our estimation so much. So if a few people had Luca Dean, I think, I'd probably first bench. Again, looked at a time when they're doing very well. So game week seven to twelve, they won four out of their six games, battled to one, nil-nil draw of Chelsea, and lost gallantly two-one to United. Again, it, it just shows how if the motivation is gone and there's not really very much to play for, performances can really dip. So their XG is halved. 9.53 for those games in October to November versus just 4.47 last six games. The XA is uh, significantly down too. They completed uh, far less passes and they've created far less chances. So they created 69 back when they were fit and firing to just 37 in the last six. Uh, they've conceded a big chance every 38 minutes uh, versus one every 52 back then. And continuing my uh, my legacy of picking on Brazilian sons, it's uh, Richarlison who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, probably is a bit of an entity at the moment. And you can see why looking at the data in comparison 1.73 xg uh, back then down to 0.86 now half the pen box touches attempts down by two thirds and almost double the minutes per attempt and as usual it's creating nothing but i think everton despite potentially being an option in game week 31 are probably one of those teams that we, we just aren't going to be touching are we really even now uh towards the end before the end of the season barring i don't know someone very cheap coming up like you know like a john joe kenny or something playing regularly at four point whatever yeah i think i'd have to agree with that assessment of them tom like the fact of the matter is is i think everton and west ham almost tend to fit into almost the same bubble this season in my head and that they've really they were at one point teams where we had two three of them as you said and now there's just very little interest in them, very little trust in them. And I think that's probably merited too. Like, do they have the fixtures? Sure, they have a few fixtures that are worth looking at. But I think overall, I don't think we're going to be talking about them. Now, a team that we will be talking about, though, are Tottenham Hotspur. And can't we have one meeting, Tom, that doesn't end with us digging up a corpse? Look, they have some great fixtures, and potentially a fantastic double game weekend there. They're Brighton, Huddersfield, West Ham... Everton and Palace's fixture need to be rescheduled, which may come into one of the double gamings at some point. So there's a lot to look at there, but there are also certainly arguments that falling out of the title race, that they already have lost impetus, that they, you know, they may have had, and that they've turned it all towards Europe. Um, will that change if they go further in the Champions League? Hard to know. It's it's impossible to know. We've never seen Spurs have a good Champions League season or campaign before. And look, Fourth, you would think, would remain a non-negotiable objective for Pochettino, but perhaps he's departing and just doesn't care. Um, it's very hard to know. 
look, in their last six games, Spurs have picked up just seven points. They've actually just picked up three points in their last four away games. So if we were to kind of compare them to the likes of Everton or West Ham, they've actually had that sort of like serious drop-off where it'd be very hard to trust them. And sure, a player like Harry Kane has recently and probably will continue to do um, pick up goals as he goes along. Uh, Son seems to have actually maybe done a Fanderson-esque uh, collapse in terms of um, his uh, appeal to the FPL community as a whole. It's very hard to know actually what to do with Spurs. So I'm very interested to hear what you think. Like I personally haven't had them for quite a while and I'm not too interested in them, but I could see them being the classic double game we go. We should just lump on Spurs because why they're Spurs. But maybe that kind of leads into the whole entire just being blinded by reputation thing and perhaps maybe we should try and be ground, you know, if we were to try and justify bringing in a player like Son, like Kane, based on stats like we would if this was, say, Ashley Barnes, I think we'd find that we probably wouldn't be too interested in any Spurs players. I think you're completely right. Like, I, I held Son this week, for example, um, purely off the back of that Southampton fixture. Uh, didn't even start. And I think a wider point around that is that, I mean, I, comparing Spurs to the neighbourinos of Arsenal, like, I think Emery has done a very good job in terms of rotating the players. Like, okay, in the North London derby, it looks a bit anemic, but our team does still look pretty energetic compared to Spurs, who often just look absolutely dead on their feet and without ideas. And that definitely does um, filter through some of the creativity stats that that Spurs have been expressing. Uh, Just to channel Nick here, I think it's tough because you can't ever be sure here. We've got a different scenario with Everton and West Ham that, you know, they're, they're in that kind of seventh or below sort of league, aren't they? Where the winner doesn't really get anything. The winner maybe gets a really ruinous uh, Europa League run. So j- just four points separate uh, Spurs in third uh, from Chelsea in sixth. Um, so I think that the point there in terms of motivation we've spoken about a little bit is that you've got to be thinking, well, there is going to be some impetus there to, to make that fourth place, which is non-negotiable, actually a reality. If they do rest on their laurels, like, oh, OK, but you know, it gets the Champions League, gets Champions League semis, gets the fun. You're putting all of your eggs into that basket. If they lose and they end up in, in sixth place or something like that, it's an absolute nightmare season for them, isn't it? Despite like some sort of a glorious failure, given the fact that that little mini league uh, between uh, third and sixth is still ongoing and the losers lose it all effectively, of course, if I, fifth and sixth, um, that hopefully there'll be a little bit of uh, motivation towards the end of the season with Spurs that Potts will be like, hey, hey, we, we really need to try here. Um, as you mentioned, with double game weeks, it's looking a little bit of a dodgy one for them um, because it's looking like the Liverpool game and the Man City game are both going to be in one of the double game weeks. So they're going to end up having one hard one not so hard in both those double game weeks. And I strongly suspect that rotation, now Deli Ali's back, uh, now Lucas Mora started, I've forgotten he even existed as an individual, um, showed up in their team again. I suspect we are going to start seeing, apart from maybe Kane playing every game, the likes of Son uh, being rotated in that kind of slightly less hard fixture. Um, so yeah, fairly worrying times for anybody who who would be considering a Spurs player, I'd think. And it's worth assessing the motivation versus the rotatability. And often, because of their price tag, you'd just be happier to spend that money elsewhere. Yeah, that's the thing. And like, if we just like to look at something as raw, just to give people a bit of data to hold on to, like shots in the last six, like Spurs are decidedly mid-table for that in terms of shots. They're actually so far down in shots in the box that you can see that Newcastle have had 62 shots in the box in the last six game weeks. Spurs have had 46, the same as Man United. But the fact of the matter is that Man United are actually shooting a lot more sparingly than they are, having far less shots blocked. And they're far less reliant on set pieces compared to Spurs as well. So you're kind of 
you're looking at the situation where you're kind of, and then oh, maybe it's the contrast with the performance against Dortmund over both legs, actually, where Spurs performed extremely well. Uh, they seem to have the legs about them. They seem to have all of the, maybe the strengths that we associate with them over the last few seasons. They've just been completely absent in the league. And so, yeah, I accept that they should improve in the league. I'm just concerned that it'll maybe improve a little bit too late and it'll just become a, right, we just need to try and push this Champions League bid because we've actually fallen apart so much. The thing is, is that in your you know race for fourth mini league that you're speaking of, the fact of the matter is, is that both Chelsea and Arsenal are probably going to be looking at that Europa League as a potential option for them. And so maybe one of those teams will bow out, concede in this race for the top four as time goes on, whereas Spurs don't actually have that luxury. But maybe at the other side, they have the chance at a far greater reward that it might be too hard for them to turn away from. I suspect um, not to maybe a, a move from SPL a little bit and kind of say that I think this might be the summer that this Spurs team actually comes apart and it might be their last chance to do something. They might be in a mindset kind of similar to Ajax, who aren't doing all that well in the Dutch league either and who probably be focusing most of their talent and their time into the Champions League. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. You mentioned Newcastle and their uh, their recent endeavours there. I think that's probably a good time to segue on to maybe some teams to watch who are approaching this sort of uh, this sort of zone, this sort of red zone where we think all oh, that they're one to worry about, but haven't quite got there yet. Uh, Newcastle are a very regular example of this, and I know that people have had Rondon for a while, my Bet Noir, and there's a few kind of players uh, kind of moving around, like you know Almiron, you've got Cheatman, Hayden, you've got maybe some Dubravkas, you've got uh, well, obviously Charles. Uh, is now suspended but he was uh, in a few teams too and you know, for, over the last uh, four game weeks uh, Newcastle have actually had more shots uh, than any other team uh, which is which is quite crazy actually uh, I think it's I think they're the same they're the same as Leicester um, as they push their way towards safety they've had 16 more attempts than City and 19 more than Liverpool will they keep this up no no they won't last season um, when they were assured of safety in game week 33, uh, they went on a four-game losing streak uh, versus Everton, West Brom, Watford and Spurs. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that if you have a team whose aim is survival, once they get to survival, it's, it's absolutely over for them. I think maybe the Burnley this year might be Wolves, um, just because I, I think it actually will suit them and their need for uh, prestige and their need to uh, push on to actually get that seventh spot and have European football to allow them to attract even better footballers, God knows how, uh, to, to Wolverhampton, the beautiful the beautiful city of Wolverhampton. Uh, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo pitching up. Uh, but but I, I think that they are probably one that will probably keep the impetus going because I think that Europe is probably a real goal for them, unlike other teams. I mean, we said at the very start of the season, didn't we, or oh, top eight, can they make it there? I think easily they'll make it there. I think they'll really be gunning for that seventh. Yeah, I think it's arguable with a team like Wolves that they don't actually have the same mindset at all as perhaps the standard Premier League teams have. They, you know, they're maybe making a push like let's say RB Leipzig made in their first uh, season in the Bundesliga. That they kind of have a team of players who really are better than a standard promoted team and perhaps have higher ambitions. They're definitely part of a project that has far higher ambitions than finishing seventh in the short run. And I think that maybe that has rubbed off and actually is shining through with those players that maybe they're actually still trying to chase sixth in the back of their minds, even though the gap is so big and they're never going to get there, that they just kind of feel that that's where they deserve to be. Whereas I think the other teams just kind of finish in seventh by default almost, and then they end up with this 
you know, poisonous chalice that they just have to glug from through Ju- July and August after their shortened summer holidays and they end up suffering from about Christmas onwards because of tiredness and fatigue. Look, maybe all those mid mid table teams, they aim so low that no one even care if they succeed. And I think maybe <laughs> so, so innovated. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares about New York? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have Cheer and knocking, <laughs> knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you mean. I think um with Wolves as well, I meant so earlier, a bit of their incentive may well be to keep that team together if they don't have European football, I think that there may be a chance that your Jimenez, uh, your Jota, maybe your, your Matt Doherty is going to end up being bought by a better team if they at least have the UEL to, to keep players there and they are signing players off the back of that UEL and that represents motivation. I mean, look, we've looked at a few teams here and hopefully it's a little bit useful in terms of trying to think about going forward, who's going to be on the beach quickest? Am I really going to have that double West Ham after game week 32, 33? And hopefully that'll help you make your decisions just just think of wes morgan last season at the end of last season when you're considering buying in declan rice or diop or somebody just think of that yeah uh, and nick, nick at this point would uh, start cursing about uh, wes morgan <laughs> uh, but there we go all right we'll take a break there and we'll move on to the free hit chat who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's a time to talk about the free hit, the free hit chat. And um, it, as I mentioned earlier on, it's a bit of an interesting one because Stag and I, um, I'm not doing very well, but Stag is doing quite well. So it's not just because we're both doing crap that we're both doing the free hit. Um, we're, we're both on the free hit this week as opposed to doing the uh, the sane manager sort of route to 32 uh, free hit. And uh, I think it's worth one talking about why we're doing it. Um, giving some advice for the free hit generally. Um, so hopefully there's something useful for you guys next week. Um, plus talking about a few kinds of options that we're going for, which may be useful for you guys as well if you're taking a one-week punt or something like that. So I guess the first question is, why the bloody hell are we doing this now? Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts first, Stag, and I'll probably add on to those at the end. Oh boy, every, everyone is stupid except us. Tom. Yeah, like, look, I have a lot of value built up in quite a lot of players um, that I don't particularly want to sell at this point. That's definitely part of the value element to that. I want to avoid bringing in players with a view towards Gaming 31 and nothing else for a dead end, only to find that they'd stunk up my team for multiple weeks. I think a good example for an awful lot of you guys listening is probably Fanderson. Uh, Last season, it was Theo Walcott. I saw that happen to people last season when I um, also free hit it around this point and look I'm also quite happy with the fact that I'm able to wildcard in blank game week 33 so I feel like I can, I can navigate my way through the blank then and have as many players as I want in double game week 32 because that's what I've been planning for and then I'm still able to use my triple captain or my bench boost in the double game week which is something that I kind of want to prioritize I think as well you have to think about the fact that like people who do free hit in double game week 32 I think that you guys are going to have a bit of a problem that maybe I won't in that you're going to be trying to balance between having enough safe options vis-a-vis the other people who are free hitting at the time. And so you're actually going to find that you're going to be getting in your own head. And I just want to avoid that happening to myself. And I think that this free hit in Game of 32 could go a, bit, go a bit awry. Of course, I'm going to think that many of you are going to scream into your phones um, in the traffic or in the tube. But look, good players are going to get rested out of nowhere or subbed off early post-international break, or at least that's a big risk, at least. Whereas in blank Game of 31, I don't think that that's anywhere near as badly. And so I think in double Game of 32, I'll suffer just about as much as you guys will who have free hits um, in Game of 32. You know, compared to because like some of my players are going to miss out too because of rotation or whatever. But at the end of the day, I wasn't going to have all these players that I didn't want in my team. 
Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. Um, so, you know, Captain Hindsight may, may fly in now and say, oh, you should have planned better for game week 31. Um, but back in the day when the 31 blank became announced, I only have, I think, four or five uh, game week 31 players. And I looked at those teams and thought, no, nah, it's not interested in any of those, to be honest. Had a bit of value build up, as you said. Inside to build for double game week 32. Um, ben Credden, it's worth noting at this point, says that this is a trap that we've been lured into using all of our chips in the double game weeks because I'm going to tr- uh, triple captain 32 and uh, bench boost in 35. And I think that a lot of people are going to be using that triple captain probably game week 36, Mo Salah or uh, Sadio Mane against uh, Huddersfield. Um, but for me, I always wanted to do it this way. Um, I'll be wildcarding on 33 like yourself. I'm going to have nine and 10 players that week. It is quite an interesting one because I think there's a lot of fear about being a couple of players down. And I think that especially for game week 33, this is one that people are really looking at thinking, oh, we, oh my God, you know, I'm going to have two, two game weeks where I've got nine or ten players. I mean, the way we're doing it, we've got one game week which is really quite optimal. Um, and we've got another game week which is okay. Like we've got enough, I'm guessing, having done the plans to say we're going to get out nine or ten of the key men in that blank game week 33. And move on to 34 and 35. Our friend Heroes and Villains, Simon, points out that a lot of people will be looking at either ors this week. So, for example, do I get Hazard? Do I get Mane? And um, I think as well, like General Zod, he asked us a question, but I'm going to use it as a statement to probably back up what you said a little bit, which is that people on free hit 32, wildcard 34, and bench boost 35 are really at a bit of a disadvantage because they're going to broadly have the same teams in a very bright, vital run. That is great if you're trying to consolidate. That is great if you're happy with your position and where you are. I suspect um, for slightly different motivations, we want to try to push on. For you, you want to push up as high as you can and do something a little bit different. For me, I'm probably going to be using the chips a little bit differently to, to do the same thing, but try to get respectability. For game double game week 32 as well, I've got a lot of the key men in situ already. I'll take Salah out to, for one week to give myself what I need and move on. Um, I think it is um, going to be a very interesting time on game week 32 because I'm aware this is probably going to be the first of two free hit pods I'm going to have to do. Um, and I think that we are going to see a, a real template start to form around that sort of time. And I think that, as you say, people are going to be so susceptible to after the international break, a, a lot of players not really showing up, you know, double City, for example, uh, for that potential Fulham and Cardiff double game week is being underlined, circled, highlighted as being the reason why you would free hit. A lot of people are going to have Cunaguero, Sterling and Edison in their teams. People are starting to circle a little bit and opinions are starting to harden a bit. And I just draw people back to what we were saying a few weeks ago, which is that it really is down to your team. Like I know that a lot of quote-unquote casuals are going to free hit this week. I mean, we're both completely aware that this is that time to do it but we've got our own reasons for doing it i think it's still a a fair strategy to do it for the reasons that we've outlined yeah absolutely and i think look last season maybe it's just something that's worth keeping in mind as well i got 115 points in the blank game week last year um on a hit it was the same weekend last year i'm not sure if it was a 31 or if it was 32 last year i think it was 31 because you did was it 31 as well you did the same you did the same thing didn't you free hit a little bit earlier than everybody else yeah uh, yeah i free hitted patrick's weekend anyway last season so it's, it's the exact same thing again this year um look my 115 points that i got I basically had three players more starting than the average team who didn't free hit. What did what did happen was that I brought in, you know, that one defender with a good game, that one midfielder who happened to have a good game. And so I just managed to nail those picks throughout the spine of the team. I think it was maybe, I think I gained, I think I said 25 points a second ago. I think it was more. I think a lot of people tended to have around 80 points that week, mostly thanks to Salah's four goals. 
and the assist that he got that particular week and most people had that doubled but I think there was still a kind of a nice sizable spine to my team that everyone else didn't have and when the double game actually came around people actually pre hit it and I didn't find that I fell behind in fact I found that my bench boost or my triple captain actually compensated quite well and I was just fine I think it means though for you and I Tom we're going to have to be that a little bit more careful with our triple captain in particular I think, but either other way, otherwise I'm not really too concerned about it. So maybe for once someone will call me sir without adding, you're making a scene. <laughs> I, th- I think that um, you're right. And I think it's worth kind of uh, for, for for people who are free hitting now with the purpose of uh, using a chip next week, 32, uh, bearing in mind that a lot of people will be on a hit, so uh, on a free hit. So don't take too many hits because a lot of people are going to come into it with zero. If you're in, going into it, going full bells and whistles with a minus 12 on double game week, uh, you're instantly at a disadvantage, which could dilute the. Uh, the potency of using a, a triple captain or a bench boost. Um, so yeah, be careful there. Um, so FPL Yogi uh, asked us a, a very good, uh, one of these nice questions I like, a segue question, or as our friend uh, Matt Jones would say, a sedgeway question. Um, how do we maximise the advantage of free hit now? He asked the best way to differentiate given the limited pool of players, suggestions like you know unconventional formations, left wing triple ups, something like that and um i think this might be a good time as well so I mean, obviously we're going to relate it back to what what we're doing this week that's unavoidable but i think maybe we'll be able to give some free hit advice and guidance to people a week early because next week i'm going to make the same points basically with nick <laughs> but um uh, i think i think to open up and i'll get you I'll, I'll see what you think in, in a second but i think that the free hit is, is ultimately a game of cover and risk on one hand of course it's uh, negative that we don't have too many players this particular game week to do it uh, but it also goes in our favor with a limited player pool it makes us it makes it far easier to cover the key men have all the key men and especially now because we've got fulham and huddersfield in action as the whipping boys we're able to really focus on those guys and i think over the double game week we'll see that as well that people will have to cover. So, you know, I probably will have to buy Sergio Aguero because of the amount the ownership he's going to have. That's going to be untrue. Um, obviously, selling Salah will mean people have got a bit more money. But I think a template will form and people will start to think, oh, I've got to cover that guy. I've got to cover that guy. Um, so it really is a case of, you know, distributing that 11 to be covering for a fair bit and then um, making one or two key adjustments that maybe will set you apart from the rest. And we'll talk about that in a second. But do you have any views on that? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe you look at it in a slightly more optimistic way and that I would say it's just harder to mess up when you're on a free hit. Um, <laughs> when there's oh, well, that's still a positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just take a very negatizing approach to this and it's just like, surely I'll be able to hit like most of the players who end up in the dream team if I do it this way. Um, like, I think it is a bit difficult for us. Like, and I think maybe moving towards a slightly more general free hit advice as opposed to general advice. But it's not to get blinded by price i think this is something i spoke about with you guys on slack and i've spoken about in my column a few weeks back is that i think a lot of people who are free hitting this week or people who are making transfers this week are going to be looking at liverpool's front three and i mean all of them so i mean Mane, i mean firmino and i mean Salah. now the fact of the matter is that Mane is the only one of those three who's really been statistically showing any sign of really doing well this game week firmino sure he's got the goals but should he deserve them? Not really. Then, like his goals have occurred, they haven't been scored. 
and uh, Salah is kind of in a like a situation where he just hasn't been showing up at all. So I think that's going to be a big thing for free hitters. Don't get blinded by price. And I think you should definitely then have a Liverpool defender because a, a nil-all draw otherwise would be a complete disaster for you. And as unlikely as that is to happen, you shouldn't allow it to cloud you. Like, there's an awful lot of players who are going to have two Liverpool defenders this week plus Mane or Salah. And you on a free hit could actually end up falling to them if Liverpool keep a clean sheet. And even if they just win 1-0, uh, they're going to end up outscoring you from behind uh, with their defenders. Uh, don't neglect having a bench if you're a free hitter. It's way too easy to just be just like, sure, get a really good first 11 because you you know, quote unquote, who's going to be playing and then find that that doesn't work out for you. And then you just have like a who coming off the bench, someone terrible coming off the bench. And then you could... I would also just say, if you're listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pull the trigger early so you're not caught out by price swings. You can bring all those players in, you can transfer them out later if you want to, but just don't get caught by swings just because you pulled your free hit later in the week. As you were just saying, Stag, um, in terms of um, being blinded by value, I think the 0.0 paradox comes in here that a lot of the time we are going to be aiming to get 0.0. We want that team want to maximise what we've got. Actually, a lot of the time, um, especially with a free hit, like you, you know, you're going to be tempted to try to get you know your Higuain over uh, Jimenez if you can afford to do that. Um, but I just probably advise people to just just look at the players rather than the money at this point. Like you know, the time for building value is over. Um, now is the time to be spending that money and spending it effectively, not spending it to maximise it. So uh, often the fact is that we take our cues from price. We think, oh, because he's more expensive, he's more likely to do something. We've got an array of stats behind us now to show that you know maybe having him in Earth or maybe having Vardy in over Higuain over the last few weeks was probably a better idea. Idiot here bought Higuain. But the reality is that price shouldn't be a cue at this point anymore unless it's something that you know you're really on the margins so if if you do have you know one million left over in your bank that's fine if you've got a team you're happy with that's fine you shouldn't be looking to try to maximize what you what what you've got yeah and i think that that kind of brings us on to like who even are our key choices uh, fpl prince actually asked who are our key differentials as well which time with what you said i would be actually looking at um, none other than Ashley Barnes as maybe the first pick statistically as you're in your striker slot followed by Jamie Vardy this coming up, upcoming weekend and I wonder what do you think of that and then maybe the rest of the team well, I do love Ashley Barnes I really do um, I mean I'd say in terms of the free hit this week um, in terms of the front seven six of that seven pick themselves um, they are Mane, Salah, uh, Hazard uh, Wilson, Fraser and Vardy. Uh, you're shaking your head, but I, I think that the Fraser and Wilson combination is something that I really like. Um, I know we've spoken about on this pod that Bournemouth are going to fall off, but I think this is, this is going to be a game where I think that they're going to really resume their partnership. I really like that, um, owning those two. I've got one more spot, basically, which is a forward spot or a fifth midfielder spot, and that's where I'm looking to maybe put someone in. And I have considered Ashley Barnes, um, so, um, but I've got one man that I think I actually am going to be putting in that we'll talk about in just a second. But I mean, what, what are your views on that? You, you got very angry there. I did. I got a bit a- animated because I think, you know, we've waxed lyrical and spoken so sensibly about not, not being blinded by price or not chasing a 0.0 in the bank. Are you not just putting history forward as your main reason for picking Callum Wilson? Like, look, sure, he, rescored, he returned to action against Huddersfield. Huddersfield. And he scored. But he had two shots and one key pass and managed to come out with two returns against one of the worst teams in the division. And I'm just not, I'm not understanding why people are trying to get both of those players in their teams. Like, I think you'd be well set as a, a non-free hitter just to get 
at Ryan Fraser. I don't think you should be pulling up stones whatsoever to bring Callum Wilson into your team. I just kind of find that an interesting one that I think he's kind of, I think he's really benefiting from a rose-tinted glow um, from earlier in the season, but I just don't think there's any reason why he's going to reproduce that. I know that it was it was uh, against Huddersfield. That's obviously a bit of a caveat there. But he has performed very well um, at home for Bournemouth. One, two, he and Fraser have, I, I think, combined the most of any player in all of Europe's leagues. I think it's seven uh, Fraser to Wilson uh, goals that have been scored. And um, I, I think just for this one week, that's definitely something that I'd be interested in um, in exploiting. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like I've been talking about Ashley Barnes for quite a while. And it's one of those players that, for me, seems forever doomed to never sit in my in one of my teams statistically i completely agree with you um and leicester are looking no great shakes at the back it's just one of those things where for whatever reason i just feel that wilson is a, a good solid pick something about it it's, it's almost like you know manager judgment gut feel like something about that made me just kind of go right i want to go with wilson over barnes i didn't really i didn't really consider that to be honest yeah um, i mean in that one spot barnes is facing off against the guy that I'm going to shove in there, who is Arnautovic. Um, yeah. but I'm going to go with Arnautovic there rather than Barnes. Yeah, I just kind of feel like Wilson is really the, the guy she tells you not to be worried about in this scenario. Like, look, the fact of the matter is, is that, like, you're talking about bringing him in for cover, but, like, we've already got Mane, Captain Salah, Hazard, Fraser and Vardy as cover. <laughs> I don't want to go into this free hit game week thinking that um, my defenders, who one of whom is going to be a Liverpool defender that everyone has, and, you know, some random choice with Declan Rice goal for example are going to be my only differentials like I think maybe this brings us on kind of quite well to a differentials type conversation as well in this and so in my team currently I actually have Antonio Rudiger at the at the back thinking about um, him as a threat from set pieces whereas Everton are just so poor at defending them like look okay a lot of people are maybe looking at Chelsea defenders Rudiger probably isn't the one they're looking at but I think that Rudiger is the one to look at then maybe another one that's worth looking at is usually drink usually dance usually excluded from Tom's every hit team Ryan Babel <laughs> who's playing his old club and he also has a good XG from open play with 2.06 the 13th best in the league over the last six games better than none other than Mo Salah present in everyone's team and Gonzalo Higuain and similar to Rondon another player who perhaps we should be looking at in the conversation I mean again I think I think a wider point around differentials here is that it's always useful that Rudiger example is a very good one to look for the Riker I look for the other choice that other people haven't gone for um if, if you look at especially in next week as well in the game we first see there'll be lots of examples of this where everybody will pile onto one player so in the Rudiger example it's probably David Luiz where a lot of people are going to be will own David Luiz from Legacy or they're going to be buying David Luiz because Sideshow Bob is that Chelsea defender who has got the creativity, has got everything that you need to potentially give you points. But Rudiger offers probably a little bit of set-piece threat in that game against Everton, as you mentioned. Marcus Silver team cannot defend against set-piece. Uh, you've got Aspilicuesta as well. Um, Bonus King, although admittedly have been over overperforming on his expected assists, and we saw this week they didn't really do anything in that game. And we're not talking about um, you know buying Tielemans over buying Jamie Vardy, for example. But what we are saying is that if there's an alternative that isn't as highly owned, you might as well use that as a way to differentiate for me, the key one here is uh, Marco Arnautovic versus Huddersfield. Um, he's the perfect free-hit player. He's not played very much. He's been injured in and out of the team. I posted my free-hit team earlier on with Arnautovic in it. And the amount of people who said, aren't you worried about him being unfit? Aren't you worried about him not playing? 
um, are perfect reasons why he's in my team. Uh, he's very mercurial, as Nick would say. He's a proven asset when he's not carried off. And he's not going to be touched by non-free hitters. If you're using an FT to bring on Auschwitz in, you're mad. But he's great for me because he's a one-hit, one-week fling. It's all over. He doesn't play. You know, if um, We've got a great ITK and um, Express Ham employee as well. If he says he's not playing, he's straight out. Um, but you know, as a hypothesis, if Arnautovic was playing fairly regularly, posting the numbers we know he can post, um, he'd be everybody's number one uh, target to come in this week against Huddersfield. So a player like that probably is the exemplar of this sort of thing that we're talking about, of finding that little differential that people who aren't free-hitting, maybe people who are free-hitting, won't really have considered. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Actually, when you said that earlier about, you know, just simple as if Arnie was playing and scoring, he'd be everyone's number one target to buy. He really and truly would be. Like, the fact of the matter is that when he has been playing well this season and in the past, we've looked at him as a captaincy contender, even in game weeks where, you know, actual top six teams have good fixtures. So the fact of the matter is that he is a player who could absolutely explode. He has already exploded this season, but he has had his troubles since. Perfect option, really. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing to quickly mention before we move on to the feature section is combination of ownership. Uh, this is something which perhaps doesn't really get 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 the chat it's due because it is something which is a little bit uh, a little bit esoteric compared to just saying player one isn't owned by very many people. He's differential. Combination of ownership is actually a huge differential. Yes, someone owns player one. But what about player one plus player two? What about player one plus player two plus player three? As you combine the players together, the ownership of that combination goes down. So the fact is, free hit 31, the limited player pool. I mean, we've spoken about it a little bit already, uh, but the fact that we've been able to put together a very strong team within this kind of try to basically get the team of the week just for one week is actually a very, very strong thing. Even in game week first two, you can leverage this and try your best to, to make that happen. Uh, but in the single game week uh, that we're doing it in with a limited player pool, that combination of ownership, I think, is really going to come through. Um, and I think it, it may well come through in game week first two as well. But being able to say, right, I own Hazard, I own Mane, I own uh, Salah, I own Arnautovic, and I own Wilson and Fraser. Like All of these things put together mean that you know, we're able to have a combination of players that a lot of people won't have if, they're, if, they're, um, just gonna, if they've just been managing their way to uh, this time. So you have to think about those ownership combinations that maybe not necessarily just having one player who's going to do the scoring or one player who's going to get the clean sheet rewards may not be enough to gain ground on those around you. Okay, we'll take a break there and we'll move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? And we're back and moving on to the, our usual features section, starting off with the market forces, where we look at the popular players in the market this week and figure out what what, to, what conclusions we could possibly draw from that. So, Tom, do you want to have a quick look at that for a start? Yeah, sure. Um, so looking at this first, uh, we've got uh, an interesting combination at the top of the net transfers in, which are going to exercise uh, my friend Anthony over there. Uh, Callum Wilson has been brought in by 140,000 uh, managers, and uh, Ryan Fraser has been brought in uh, by uh, almost 110,000 managers at the time of recording. That's They're our- Europe's best uh, combination, I hear, Tom. Yeah, they are. Uh, it sounds like a Father Ted sort of reference, doesn't it? The <laughs> uh, Europe's best for, best combination, I hear, Father. Uh, <laughs> Twenty four points though in the last uh, last game week, and you can you can kind of see why people are flocking there. It, it does kind of feel 
those two are a reaching kind of cover status because you've got a lot of people, uh, you know, selling off the single game week options in 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 the in retardant four. So you've got Jimenez uh, who's been sold by sixty thousand, Rashford's been sold by sixty thousand, Pogba has been sold by sixty four thousand, and Aguero has been sold by sixty five. So you've got a lot of people who are looking at the likes of Wilson Fraser and selling off these uh, these blanking players. Looking at those transfers, I feel better about game week thirty one for you here, don't you? Yeah, like when you look at the the tide of good players being sold, that's the that's actually the bigger thing for me is that you know, Aguero is also up there. Um, you mentioned Son in there, Sterling on course for a price rise somehow, in spite of the fact that uh, he's blanking this week. Some people haven't looked at their fixtures whatsoever, but I, it does actually make me feel a tad better about what we're doing because you you are definitely seeing panic moves. I think. I personally think Fraser and Wilson is uh, classic examples of panic moves in action. Um, watch me completely eat my words. I've been way too absolutist about my <laughs> views on this, and this is going to come back to bite me. But uh, you're also seeing players like Yuri Tielemans uh, getting a little bit popular. James Madison and uh, Felipe Anderson, both perhaps showing underlying... Well, Madison is showing the underlying, underlying stats. Felipe Anderson isn't, uh, but they're both putting in a few transfers as well. But why? Yeah. I mean, why, why? why are you buying Felipe Anderson? I just don't, don't understand that. I mean, this is a man who's had just two attempts over the last six game weeks uh, versus six, his 14 in the period we spoke about in the first section. Although maybe they've looked at the data and realised that his minutes per chance has risen over the last six game weeks. Although it's worth saying, if you actually look into the data properly, his XA has gone down, which means the quality of chances creating is nowhere near as good. Elsewhere, um, we have more uh, blank game week-led uh, market activity. We've got Jamie Vardy, who's been bought by 80,000 people, especially after the uh, the great performance against Fulham. You can kind of understand that. Uh, Sadio Mane, um, who is looking at Liverpool's danger man, again, 14-pointer. Uh, could have passed to Mo for that final goal. Kind of glad didn't, because I didn't captain him. And uh, Eden Hazard, um, with the fantastic uh, last, minutes last gasp equalizer against wolves uh being patronized by by uh 55, people um didn't mention before and you just alluded to him earlier but son her min is the biggest outward sale this week of 132,000 transfers out uh, at, at the moment after being rested against southampton so i think it's going to be an interesting week isn't it um in terms of teams and i think the repercussions are going to be quite interesting too and um, we didn't really speak about it too much earlier on but it's worth raising the point now that a lot of people are, going, are probably going to be selling pogba uh, the like and Kuniguero and Jimenez, and they're probably going to want them back, aren't they? So they probably may have sold them after buying them fairly early on for a high price, and I suspect they may have some knock-on effects in free hit thirty-two for some people who want to get Pogba back on that free hit, but find themselves having to pay top whack rather than eight point three. So something they've got eight point seven, they didn't realise they had to budget for. You're probably right, Tom, but dare I say it, they probably won't admit it. Uh, <laughs> if that actually happens to you, they'll just shove a 3.8 Connolly or a Hudson Adoy into the bottom of their team and just pretend that this was totally their plan the whole time. But yeah, no, I, I think you're you're definitely correct that I think we're going to see the sales um, affecting people's ability to make moves later on. Like I, I always think of um, a big sale that I did around Christmas last season of Mohamed Salah that actually cost me about 0.7 at this stage of the season when I was trying to put together a, a free hit team and later on a wildcard team that drove me mental i think a lot of people are going to have problems like that with a uh, pogba especially whose value really has shot up in recent weeks and an awful lot of you engaged people in the fpl community will have probably bought him early and suffer will suffer consequences if you're selling him 
Yeah, same for me with Robertson. I mean, he's in my free hit team, but I've paid 0.9 million more than someone like Nick, who's had him since game week one, has paid. So there's no way he's going to be in a wild card team of mine because that's a lot of money to account for. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely a, a cautionary tale, which I hope that the people listening to this podcast would have probably observed and not uh, not fallen prey to. Right, uh, the next uh, next feature is the Nick pick. Uh, last week it was a shower rather than a grower. We're happy to flash that around uh, around our friendship group. Uh, so Jamie Vardy came through for Nick, a uh, sixteen pointer. Uh, he was uh, he's, he's in Edinburgh at the moment, I'm sure, downing his uh, bottle of port in uh, in happiness. Uh, but this week he's gone a bit off off piste uh, with his Nick pick. He's uh, gone for Mark Noble at four point eight. He says he's probably going to be a first bench uh, option for many people or maybe someone you throw on just because. Um, he's had 37 penalties for West Ham over his career and scored 33 of them, an 89% success rate. So I think that a lot of that is probably predicated on hoping that, you know, Zanka uh, foul somebody in the box or something like that. Um, but uh, it's an interesting one this week. I- I'm not too sure about that. What, what do you think? Would you maybe uh, give a different nitpick if it was you? Uh, yeah, off piste is uh, definitely a good word to describe it. It's certainly a little bit different. Um, Huddersfield have actually only conceded five penalties this term. The league leaders in that regard, Brighton, um, with Cardiff and Arsenal following in behind. So no, um, would I give a different Nick pick? Yeah, I probably would. Um, I'm going to go with Rudiger as mine. Yeah, I'm right behind Rudiger. I think that's I think that's a very good pick. I think I'll be joining you on that. Uh, the final update this week is the All England team, and the All England team did did very very well. Um, Eighty points. Um, Captain Jamie Vardy for thirty two. Raheem Sterling with a hat trick as the vice. Uh, other people such as uh, James Madison with an assist, uh, Andros Townsend with an assist, and Jordan Pickford with a penalty save, despite being absolute trash in that game, uh, came through for them. They're very close to breaking the million. Worryingly, that may mean that if I continue to fail, I mean, obviously I've got Green Arrow this week, but if I continue to fail, they might overtake me. Um, <laughs> a team that my unspecified fan member hasn't really touched and they may overtake me, which just shows the value of me as a manager. I'm basically the Gary Neville of FPL. I'm a good pundit, but I'm actually terrible at playing this game, aren't I, at times? Right, uh, let's move on to uh, the Q&A after this break. <laughs> I put I put in the laughter that surely the people who were listening had for that. <laughs> yeah, the canned laughter. <laughs> oh god, that's, that's amazing though. Never I, I kind of noticed over the last few weeks. I was like, geez, that all England team are doing really well. And then, <laughs> sure enough, they were genuinely finished in the top half mill if they kept this going. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the uh, Who Got the Assist Mini League. I'm doing my best Nick impression at this point. Um, so top is Bootstrap Theory with Liam Berry. Uh, 83 points this week. Uh, he had a Sterling captain. He had Vardy. Uh, did very, very well there. Uh, he's on uh, 1968 points for the whole season. And he's 63 in the world which is absolutely amazing. Um, Insect hot on his heels. Uh, Mendy goes, uh, Salva Barra, 71 points this week, just five points behind Liam Berry. Uh, in third, um, with a red arrow this week, it's Schurler this year, uh, Mark Sinclair. Um, he had Sterling, uh, but he captained uh, Mo Salah, uh, 11 points from Rondon, uh, helped him out somewhat. In fourth, it's Bombers, Wonders, uh, James Wells, um, just four points behind Mark, 56 points this week. Again, another a little red arrow. And in fifth, it's Paul Jones as at Sky Player in FBL with 65 points, again with Sterling and also with Vardy, but Captain Aguero. Uh, so the third choice captain kind of there. 
quick shout out to the community this week. Just say thank you so much for 20,000 followers on Twitter. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think, you know, we, we've only been going for 18, 19 months now. I think that people often forget that. I think we're part of the furniture. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, maybe it has some establishment theory. Or pe people say, you know, I don't vote Tory or whatever, and they actually do. Um, but hopefully people still listen to, to us wittering on. Hopefully people do still read my tweets and not wallpaper to people. But thank you so much. That's a really hugely appreciated. I really hope that um, you enjoy suffering and enjoying FPL with me and uh, and good old Nick too. Right, uh, let's move on to the questions this week, Stag. Um, and we've got we've got quite a few uh, interesting ones, and obviously they're all going to be based around the blanks and the doubles. Uh, the first one is awful blankers. So our friend at FPL Awesome, Chris, asks us, if you're stuck with someone like Felipe Anderson, do you sell him for a minus four despite him having a game because he's rubbish? Interesting question. What's your view? So we'll just address Anderson very quickly. Um, Chris has very usefully actually provided the stats to um, give to justify selling Felipe Anderson at the same time, pointing out that uh, very similar to what you were showing earlier about how between game weeks 14 and 21, when he was having a good run in 740 minutes, his 19 shots yielded four goals. He created four big chances, getting two assists. And uh, in the game weeks 22 to 29, which is an eight-game week streak as well, he had 691 minutes, having six shots, no goals, three big chances, and only one assist coming from those. Uh, he also did nothing in game week 30 against Cardiff. So with a player like Philippe Anderson, yeah, I think, honestly, you could just sell him, and there's really good reasons to. Like, look, someone as high value as Fando, uh, he's taking up a slot that maybe a Ryan Fraser could occupy in your team. And look, if you're especially in a position where you're going to have more than 11 players, I think that's a pretty unlikely blank game week team that's dead ending. But if you are in that position, definitely sell him. Uh, I think he's still worth selling for a hit as well, because with that sort of budget, you can you can move about and get a much better player into your side. I'm sorry, it's a very wishy-washy answer. But with a player like Van, just said, yeah, sell. In the last 10 game weeks, he's played a seven non-top six teams he's blanked every single one of those games so you're you're looking at a player who's you know akin to a chupo moting akin to a rondon for me at least back in when i was when he was a west brom by for me in that blank double game a few a few years ago um a player who's not performing at all he's not going to perform in the single game week and has just not been performing in 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 the sorts of games that he's got coming up um these, you know, like these are dale steven stats they're very, very poor, aren't they? And he was hooked yeah. after 45 minutes. It looks like he was hooked for performance-based reasons, judging by a few journos and what they've said about uh, why he was taken off. And it's looking like on out of it, it's going to play. And we may see, you know, uh, Mihail Antonio, who's one of my old favourites, hasn't played the last couple of games. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him given a starting berth and Philippe Anderson given a rest. And I mean, interestingly, I mean, maybe it maybe backs up the Anatovic kind of sell uh, I was doing earlier on, but Anatovic and Felipe seem to pass the talisman ship between them a little bit for West Ham. Uh, for the reasons Nick pointed out last week on the pod, no, Arnautovic uh, hasn't really been uh, uh, given, assuming that mantle recently, but I just get the feeling that Felipe may be given a little bit of time off at the moment and uh, I think that maybe we may see Arnautovic come in and reassert himself a, a slight bit. You know, good FPL play is basically removing players who aren't performing Um I mean, I remember Mitrovic, I think it was, and he had a away game on a Monday night against Huddersfield. And a lot of people were holding him 
for that game when he hadn't done anything for a long, long time. This is back when I was good. You know, I removed him for Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson scored. But Mitrovic did absolutely nothing in that game. I think this is a good example of that, where you've got a player who has a fixture, admittedly for a minus four, I don't know, I'd probably be inclined to keep him for one week, uh, but I can completely see why people would get rid because the stats and the, the output have been so poor that you, you you look at that and just think, well, good FPL sentence to sell that guy. Now, now we've said that, he's going to score a brace, isn't he? Um, but Your poxy yeah. free kick, a deflected shot that was offside. Here we go. Snodgrass, yep. smash it and hit his backside. <laughs> top top bin. <laughs> right? Um, next question is the first one strikers. And we, we've kind of covered this, actually, haven't we, to some extent? But uh, Karen yeah. and uh, Arby Svardel asked, who are the best strikers for the blank? Yeah, so we can keep that one nice and succinct, given we've covered it a little bit. Low. So look, Jamie Vardy, in his last six, he's been third for XG. He's been fifth for open play expected goals as well. He has decent fixture away to Burnley. I think that you should definitely be including him, if only from a coverage point of view. I think that he's certainly a player that's worth having. I have Callum Wilson in this list, but I, I don't really believe in it, even after a goal scoring return to action against Huddersfield. As mentioned earlier, he had two shots and one key pass and managed to pull two returns out of that. If this was another player, if this was Isaac's success, I know he's not playing this weekend, but if this is Isaac's success, we'd be just calling it a blip or just pure luck. And I don't think we should be getting overly excited about him. Instead, I think we should be looking at Ashley Burns, who has been well discussed over the time. But look, Leicester's defence conceded obligatory goal every week. In the last six, Burns is second for XG, fourth for XG from open play, and third for shots in the box too. Um, there's a bit of a shout for Salman Rondon in here, who is ahead in shots in the box. But honestly, I have serious questions about whether this week might be the weekend that Newcastle actually go on the beach a little bit and just kind of just consider themselves like over the line that they'll find their way over this line eventually and so not all that excited by Rondon or any attacking player from there I actually thought Amiron would be a player I'd be interested in but no no um, I understand that I think that maybe it's a little bit different it depends if you're making a transfer now 433 and maybe if you didn't have any chips left uh, with 35 in mind so I think that probably does push you into the direction of a certain Gonzalo Higuain um I can see why a lot of people are looking at him um, as, as a buy. And I think that you know, the Wolves game, I think, really brought that home because a lot of people are uh, quoting the stats for that game. He had six attempts um, in that game. I think five of them were in the box. But if you watch him play, like he's just there's something which is lacking. I think that's confidence. Like You'll probably know a bit better than me, Stag, but like from what I know about him, he is a confidence player. He needs to have that in order to, for everything to function together. Like He was snatching at chances. Like I remember um, against Fulham, for example, and he was played through very, very early by Aiden Hazard, had an open-sighted goal. First touch was terrible, fluffed it. And I think that and the the goal he scored was a snap where he, literally it came to him and he shot. And that, that instinct is still there. The movement is still fantastic. But I'm just, I didn't see enough in that Chelsea game to make yeah. think that he was one to really be bringing him. I think maybe, you know, if you're buying somebody that you want, there's a long-term buy until game week 35's double, then yeah, I think there's definitely perhaps something there and to, to, to hang your hat on. But like for me, he's probably not it. Like for me, I think the three are for this particular game week, um, Jamie Vardy, as you mentioned, probably Callum Wilson for me, even though I know you, you hate his guts by the sound of it. And uh, <laughs> Austria's number two striker in uh, Marco Arnautovic. But Ashley Barnes has to be there or there or thereabouts. 
God knows. By, by by Friday, I might end up with Ashley Barnes in my team, just trying to claim that I I I, I knew it all along. Uh, I can't unfortunately. Yeah, you you have them in your team just in time for a red card plus penalty miss or something. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I I too wouldn't be very fussed about Gonzalo Higuain or Roberto Firmino as well. No, neither of them. I think they've they've both been fortunate to get the goals they've got scored in recent weeks. Yeah, might as well get Dominic Calvert Lewin by that uh, by that juncture, right? No. Uh, <laughs> we love him, right? From the next the next question is international rotation, quite an interesting one. Looking ahead to the international break in the game week between game week thirty one and thirty two, um, who are we worried about rotation rise in that double game week given the international break in game week thirty one? Um, so obviously we don't know all the fixtures yet. Um, this is a question from Charles Hazel, but I think we can still probably make some inferences here because. For example, from a Man City perspective, you've got David Silva and you've got Kun Aguero who don't play international football anymore. Um, so maybe you might be thinking, oh, they, they might play both games for Man City. I mean, what, what do you think there, Stag? Are, are there any worries that you're particularly acutely aware of at this point? So there are none that I'm acutely aware of. And I'll just be honest to Charles rather than just try and make up some player who's going out of, you know, traveling large distances and, you know, make up some reason. Like, I think the fact of the matter is, is that you need to look at that international break as it happens and kind of get an idea of the minutes that players are playing. And also, you know, how important are they to their team? And, you know, decide accordingly. Like, for example, a player who's heading to Brazil, let's say Richarlison. Like, how important is he to that Everton team? I think we've seen him being benched multiple times at this point. I think that shows us that or he'll just probably be benched after the international break, for example. And so I just, I think international breaks are, and the game week after them is just about careful management, careful observance, and getting a bit lucky at the other end. And I don't think there's any point overly analysing it. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely behind that. I mean, you've got, for example, like, if you're like me and you've got Song Her Min in your team, you may wish to consider the fact that he's going back to Korea to play two home games. Um, but it is very much one of those things that after an international break, the same lessons that we learned earlier on in the season do apply, even if it's double game week. In fact, especially because it's double game week, that players are more likely to drop out for whatever reason. They don't come back in the best condition. You know, there's been numerous things written, for example, in the secret football, the secret physio and all this kinds of thing about what happens when a player goes away from the core team for a while and comes back. Um, it's just worth keeping an eye on. Like, you know, I remember there was a time when the Jimenez... Uh, was that, that's right. I've been trying to pronounce it properly so that I'll set you this whole pod. Uh, but he was uh, he, he went away to play for Mexico, and we all in the FPL community got the got the message that he wasn't going to be playing in the second game. Great information to leverage because suddenly you know we were happy with him. You could buy him, you could sign him. Just looking out for those little tidbits of information, I guess, are very important. And there are some players who probably are fairly integral to their team. So uh, you know. Pogba, perhaps Man United, plays two games for France. I'm guessing he'll come back and play both of those games against Watford and Wolverhampton. I'm hoping so. He's probably going to triple caps on him. Um, but I think context is key and just keeping on top of information is also key. Yeah, Shane Duffy is another one. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> he's had the most shots of any defender over the last six, Duff man. I'm seriously, he's genuinely looking like triple captain potential. I'm not even joking. Not even joking. No, like the fact of the matter is we've had so many double game weeks where it's defenders and goalkeepers who are the top scorers. Sorry, this is going to just drive people up the walls listening to this. But like, he's going to actually play. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, <laughs> 90, 90 minutes is like, 
having is the key man at corners. Let's let's be fair. He's doing a sole bamber, isn't he? Where your Sean Morrison, your Lewis Dunk is going to be heading it on, and the, your man Shane is there to knock it in. Like uh, ro- rotation isn't a problem. They won't be on the beach. He's an important player. They could actually get clean sheets. Like. You heard it here first. The FPL Stag is telling everybody, triple captain Shane Duffy. Let's see how many people get on that bandwagon. <laughs> right, uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, so John A. Forward has asked us uh, that, that, uh, that eternal question about blank minimums. What's the minimum for this blank game we could have in terms of players? I've alluded to what I think probably is the number already. And it links to this, Liam has asked, how many hits would you advise limiting yourself to? All the eights. Um, eight core players should do you fine in a blank game week. Um, look, you just have to play a safe captaincy at that point so that you just kind of make up the gap uh, on everyone else. And um, I think eight hits, I think eight is fine again. I think that there's justifiable cause to make a minus eight hit and you could actually pay that back. I think you're starting to get into ludicrous territory if you do any more. But the thing about eight is that like, even if you burn two free transfers or one free transfer, it's kind of allowing you to properly reconfigure money within your squad to do some great changes. Like don't be doing sideways changes. Like we already have, or we had to talk about this during the summer on this pod about not doing sideways transfers. If you're using hits to do sideways transfers, that's absolutely ridiculous. But if you're doing using these eights to restructure your squad and to move towards having a player that everyone else is going to have, and Sadio Mane, for example, this game week, I think that's very justifiable. Yeah. Well, maybe moving Felipe Anderson to you know anyone might be worth yeah, 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 Anderson. Exception that proves the rule. Get rid of trash. Um, no, I probably agree with you that eight's a key. Because at the end of the day, you know, 31 and 33, you can spread that minus eight over those two game weeks. So you'd hope um, that you get that payback. And I guess if you've got two players who aren't playing, then you might be able to argue that that cancels out the hit. Uh, but it's quite interesting to see how that kind of works out. Um, but I mean... Again, as with last year, we, we've been blessed really by the fact that Liverpool were knocked out very early from the FA Cup. So you've got a solid core um, there for both game weeks. Uh, and you've got Chelsea as well. I mean, regardless of their indifference at the moment, you still have a team that you're able to kind of think, well, I mean, most of the time, if you, if you, I mean, a risk of parroting Nick again, if you have Eden Hazard, you might as well just go with it and buy that guy. Uh, you, you've got a good defender at the back. You've still got a solid defence there at Chelsea and you, you've still got a few teams are in and around that which are easily going to make up numbers for you. If you've got your core eight guys, um, the threat that you have from not having those three or four is diminished, I think. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. Sterling to who, Tom? Samit Bojani has asked, who does he prioritise between bringing in Mane and Hazard for us owning Salah already? Yeah, it's a fun question this week. It's quite a good one because I think it, one, encapsulates the point of this pod, which is that if we are free hitting, um, we don't have to deal with this issue. But I completely understand why people are confronted with this because owning Sadio Mane really helps you out over the next uh, two blanks. If you're free hitting in 32 you're probably going to buy Hazard anyway. So I'd probably be buying Mane for that Fulham game, hands down. The guy is in form. I you know, I know that um, Joe from Fantasy Football Scout is uh, saying is pointing out the data that shows that, that Salah is a better player away from home. Don't get me wrong. But no, Mane is the guy in form. As you mentioned earlier on, he is the guy as well who's producing most weeks, apart from the Blankets Everton. He's returned every week since game week 23. And um, yeah, I, I 
kind of feel like he's the one who's going to really help you out in game week 31 and 33 uh, the most, or at least he'll be the long-term buyer that you'll be most interested in. If you're going to be able to free hit in Hazard anyway in 32, I'd be doing that because, you know, which guy is doing better? It tends to be the basics of FPL, which one's the better option based on the most recent performance and what you've seen with your own eyes. Um, Liverpool, Mane is probably where I go there. Yeah, and I, I couldn't possibly disagree with that. Like, Mane, he's had, like, in the last six game weeks, he's had 14 shots, um, 13 of which have come in the box. He scored six goals off those in those six games. That's a 3.59 XG, which is fifth overall. He's third for open play XG as well. So when you're talking about a player who's in form and also overperforming, if we were to go into that age-old problem, he's actually both. So it's totally fine. I think he's... Uh, perfectly good option to bring in and I'd definitely be prioritising more reading desire to I wouldn't even guarantee he's going to score this weekend although I will have him of course in my free hit team if I was making one transfer it would have to be Sadio Mane cool all right well that segues us very nicely into transfers and captains this week because I mean we're not making any transfers because we're both free hitting and I'm going to be captaining Mane this week and um, just because I feel that one, it's actually very, very nice. Uh, FPL Escobar made this point on Twitter very, very succinctly, and I quite liked it, which is that coming into this, we all thought that everyone was going to be captaining Salah and that you know it's going to be a little bit difficult for everyone to be captaining Salah and there's going to, there'll be little variation in the captaincy and maybe the overall fortunes based on last year against Watford. But we have a very good option uh, with Mane, and I think there'll be a lot of people who are led by the price and will think, well, you know, legacy, as you uh, mentioned in terms of Callum Wilson, will play a role here because people will think, oh, I'm not going to captain Mane if I've got Salah because he's so much more expensive. What am I doing captaining Mane? Um, so I think that's a very nice opening, a very nice option there. Um, you know, you've, got, you've got a very large ownership um, of Mo Salah and a slightly lower one of Sadio Mane. 29% owned uh, Sadio Mane, 45% owned Mo Salah. It's not a differential in a classic sense, but in this particular area where we've got a limited player pool, things are very concentrated and most things will be concentrated around the Mo Salah captaincy. I think that's a very, very good thing, whether you're like me trying to get yourself to respectability or like you trying to push as high as you can. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, free hit as well, obviously, and Sadio Mane captain as well. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer this weekend. Cool. Uh, I think maybe worth just running through quickly our, the teams that we uh, currently uh, are sitting on. If Fabianski and goal, I think that's just fairly, uh, fairly a du jour, really. I've got Ryan Fredericks as my uh, as as my Riker pick over Declan Rice. Uh, Rudiger at the back, Robertson at the back. I might as well have Robertson for one week and enjoy what everyone else enjoys, right? Um, Eden Hazard, Mane captain, Salah and Fraser. And up front, I've got an Altuich, Vardy and Wilson. And on the bench, I've got uh, Nathan Ake, Mr. Stankovic and McNeil and uh, Heaton as well. But I doubt we'll see any of them anyway. Yeah, my, my team is, um, I'm actually just creating a lot of choices for myself at the moment. So I have both Barch and Fabianski in goals. I'll probably go for Fabianski. I've actually moved out Robertson, who's been in my team since game week one on this free hit to enjoy the uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold party for one week. And I've got Tony Rudiger beside him, probably partnered with Declan Rice. I'm not going to Riker on him because I think he's the he's obviously threatening a lot more than any of the other West Ham defenders. Midfield, Mane Salah, Fraser, Hazard, Ryan Babel, and up front then... Callum Wilson and Jamie Vardy with Gonzalo Higuain first place on my bench. 
Oh, controversial. That's basically it. Thanks very much for listening. We are Who Got This Ish. You can find us on Twitter at WTA underscore FPL. And our league code is 516-441. I was very kindly joined today by Anthony, um, otherwise known as FPL Stag, at FPL Stag on Twitter. Drop him a follow. Get him to 15k. Thanks very much, Anthony, for coming on and... uh, doing a great performance off the bench i think it's definitely double figures uh, for, for the no show that was nick this week thanks very much that has been delightful to be on um i hope our ideas have been intriguing to you and i hope you wish to subscribe to our newsletter <laughs> well we don't have an, i'm not writing a newsletter dear god <laughs> right uh, in the meantime i hope sister Jew back next week or the week after perhaps with nick um as the free hit season continues we'll talk again about free hit all over again uh, for you guys uh, who are doing free hit first two for now i hope to assist you and speak to you soon it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.